you know what, for me, running is really difficult. I mean, it's difficult. If you practice running, it still hurts the same. You just run fast. And I have never to this day made one penny off of any games athlete, nothing. I have never actually told a games athlete that I need you to do something for me because I am using that information to find a better way for the everyday person. Welcome to the Escapist Corner. This is a podcast where we talk about lifestyle, sport, and entrepreneurship. We hope this can give you some inspiration to your daily life and also make you some good ideas um, based on where you are in your life. We're going to talk to uh, successful businessmen, coaches, sportsmen, athletes, doctors, what have you. Uh, please feel free to uh, look at our homepage, escapistcorner.com. There you find the, the links to Instagram and Facebook. Happy listening. Some pre-talk to uh, the Escapist Corner podcast starting now. <laughs> starting now? Yeah, starting yeah, now. We if everyone was ready. We have like half an hour of content. Yeah, we're kind of already <laughs> deep <laughs> into the discussion. So, um, yeah, welcome to episode 10. Uh, today we have... Uh, a fantastic guest, I have to say. I just said I, I'm, I'm more nervous now than I was when I spoke to Kelly Starrett. Uh, but because we were stretching for 10 hours before we had the talk, I think that kind of put down the boundaries. Uh, so a good icebreaker. Yeah, we, we should have uh, taken a, a long run uh, before this <laughs> podcast. Um, yeah, for the guys listening to this, uh, not watching over our YouTube channel or Facebook, uh, we have Chris Hinshaw here, uh, all the way from California. That's right. Um, happy to have you here. Thank you very much. Happy to have yeah. you here, Chris. Yeah, what a great environment. you got a train <laughs> running right over, I mean, yeah. like, what is that, three <laughs> meters up, there's a... Uh, yeah, well, it's like, uh, I don't know, a it's couple usually of they say it's, like a, it's, a, it's a circle, this part. Yeah, so yeah. It's like we were in a bog in Berlin, which means we're under, under the railway, it's a circle, so it goes underneath like three meters of concrete and up. We I have love it. train, passenger trains, low trains, I mean, freight trains. Yeah, yeah. yeah going every five minutes. But I cool. mean, as far as like CrossFit and spaces, I mean, this is what it is. <laughs> like the perfect example of a, a garage yeah. gym and the exactly. industrial side of it with the train overhead. Yeah. Yeah, no, what a good spot. Yeah, no, we, we are very happy to, to have it. As, as I said, um, is that uh, like when you're looking for a location and so on, you're not looking for a location. The location is, is looking for you. So yep. uh, you're not there to choose. It's more like the market is, uh, you're, you're going to get what you're going to get. So uh, all these dreams, when you start to build a box or thinking of having a box, you start to think about, oh, I'm going to have, we're going to have this kind of wall and we're going to have these kind of machines and we're going to have, you know, space for these kind of stuff. And then it's kind of, you know, you end up with these amount of square meters. 95 square meters. <laughs> but I mean, to, I, to make for, it. <laughs> for me, I mean, I, so I've been in CrossFit now nine years, and my memories and, and the things that I value are based upon what shaped me nine years ago. And yeah. it was the rawness of CrossFit, you know, and going into small, what we call incubator spaces, you know, little warehouse spaces uh, where there was no lighting, and it was just, yeah, you're going to go way back into the dark <laughs> space, yeah. and that's where you're actually going to do your wall balls. Yeah, yeah. That's what resonates with me. You know, now we have gyms with, you know, air conditioning and, and butlers that hand you a towel yeah. and you get 
I mean, and, and I think it's still, it's still, the, it's still people are looking for CrossFit or they're coming in. They're still looking for this raw side of it. I mean, I think so uh, too. Here, like I said, we have we've been open for seven months already. Uh, we still don't have the showers. That's a huge problem. Uh, <laughs> but members, they don't really care about it. They just show up. They ask, "Hey, when are the showers?" Okay, just go train, go home. Yeah, right. Perfect. So. Right. The small escape. They don't, they don't love, they're not looking for the fancy stuff. But don't you think that like people now looking for the showers, that's now you're appealing, and, and I think that's what I see with CrossFit, is that it's going more mainstream, right? It's, it's not so elitist in, in the sense that people are looking for this rawness and this fringe-type cult uh, fitness program that it's diving down into the conservative population and the workforce, right? That yeah. they're going to come in here and I'm going to get my workout in and then I'm going to go put in my eight hours. Yeah. yeah. Before right? And they need the they need the shower. Yeah. Yeah. Exactly. I mean, we have a lot of uh, classes in the morning and people in the morning. We're definitely as a lot of people asking when I'm going to have the showers. The moment you have that, the moment you had complete setup, we yeah. I'm going to join. Yeah. But there's a lot of the other half of the people say, you know what? I don't really care about it. Yeah. Uh, I think about like cool. my programming and the people that show up and that that population as you dive deeper, they recognize that they do have options and so they're looking at spaces, do right. I sign up for a gym that has a shower because that's the important thing. It's the same thing with me. It's like how do I get them to pick my programming of the millions of things that they can do for their fitness, right? They're not trying to be competitive, they just want to be healthy. Yeah. And how do you get them to show? And, and that population, their needs are different, right? Because yeah. they, for them, they'll go to a yoga class or go for a run, and to them, it's, it's fitness. And I agree with that, but how do you get them to come? And that's always been the challenge, right? The people up here, they're diehards. But the people in the bulk of the population, which we call the 99% of the population, their needs, it's like, we've got options. And yeah, how do you keep them coming back tomorrow? Yeah, I, I, uh, I like to take myself as, a, uh, as an example for that, is that uh, I, was, uh, I was training at a regular gym for many years. And I, before that, I, I was doing sports, of course. I played ice hockey for 22 years and um, was fit as an ice hockey player when I started to get into those, uh, I think it was like 16 to 18 years old. I was I was like a machine back then. Yeah. But then, uh, because of you, you take care of your, you start uh, studying and go to school and everything like that, so less time for that kind of fitness. Um, and you start to go to the normal gym just to, oh, I'm just going to do my, uh, at least some some uh, weightlifting, some some of that work, some running, uh, go for a, a run every now and then, every yep. third day or something like that. Yep. And I realized as, uh, when I moved to Berlin was like after five years of, not five years, three years of uh, running maybe four times a week, going to the gym three times a week, I was still just uh, adding up. Uh, so I was I, I was not getting leaner, and I, this is one one thing that most people uh, look into first, like how do I drop weight? And yep, for sure. So this is why a lot of uh, programs that are not really into like losing weight and so on. I think I, I listened to this podcast with uh, Rob Wolf. Yep. Um, he said he he has this new book out, and he said yeah, only way to, for him to sell his book. Is by to uh, to show people you're going to lose weight, but that's not his main point of the right. book. So when uh, when people ask why should I do CrossFit, I say, you know, I wasted three years 
uh, of my life doing all that kind of stuff. And that didn't make me stronger or healthier. And uh, I mean, everything was just going the wrong direction, right. direction even though I was moving. But uh, there was like a lack of intensity in what, what, what I was doing. So um, that's, that's usually my selling point is that uh, don't waste your, your time as I did. So. But I mean, I think that's what f it comes back to is it's about people's time. And time is going to get more and more valuable, yeah. right? And, and we are not athletes or, you know, that are focused on one particular skill, right? We're interested in a broad range of abilities. And we can't cover up, like when I raced the sport of triathlons, my coach gave me 10 by 1 mile on back-to-back -back days. And I believe that he just didn't remember what he gave me the day before. I think that he <laughs> made up a workout in the parking lot, and it was a mistake. Yeah. But he can cover up his mistakes because I was doing a lot of volume. Exactly. We don't do a lot of volume in one particular area. We look at variety, right? Yeah. Constantly varied functional Because we don't movements. have the time also. We have, to, right. we, have, we, we have, like you said, we have less amount of time, free time, for fitness. Because people, right. people do free fitness in the free time. So how do I raise up the intensity because I don't have the space, the volume to that's just right. build him up, right? Right, that's correct. And so, and, and, and what we must assume also is that people are going to have less and less time for fitness. And so how are we going to drive their adaptations in a more effective and efficient way in the future, right? And what does that look like? And we can't make mistakes, right? And I think that's the focus and that's why, you know, I've been successful is because I respect that. I respect people's willingness to pick me over any other thing. And if I'm gonna get them to come back tomorrow, I must find a way to not make any mistakes and drive them towards their particular goal. And whether that goal is to, you know, get up in the morning or win the CrossFit Games, I must make sure that they are making progress towards that in the exact same way. But then how do we, because we were talking about all these guys, so we started with the, CrossFit as an elite kind of people doing it. Now it's going massive. It's, I mean, it's massifying. CrossFit is going to open a, CrossFit HQ is going to open an office in Germany, taking yep. care of the whole country. Yep. Uh, so it's because now they realize the German market is huge. So more and more people are going in. And more boxes are opening. I mean, this year already in Berlin, we have two new boxes or three new boxes. So it's growing. Mm -hmm. um, so how do we build these guys that have never done CrossFit before? Uh, they go to the gym, they come here once, they try one workout, they sore for a week. Yep. And they say, I don't, what happened to you? No, I was sore for a week, I couldn't wash my hair, it was like, like this. <laughs> so I was like, the, the T-Rex arms and everything. How do we build them up? Yes. Where do we start? I think that, that it, we need to take one step back from that. And that is when that person is walking in the door, we should be really reflective on our own experience when we we're introduced across the first time and how intimidating it is. Um, I mean, let's face it, just looking around this room, there are a lot of things, if you weren't familiar with it, you'd be intimidated. Yeah. You know, are they gonna make me jump up on those rings? And, and I don't even know if I can hang from those rings. Yeah, people mm. were asking, they, what do you do with the rings? Oh, we do muscle stuff. What's that? Oh, no, I cannot do that, I cannot do that. They're right, which would be overwhelming, <laughs> right? And, and my first day, I was so afraid that, that I sat in the car and I watched the class and I drove away. <laughs> it was so intimidating for me that, you know what, I just turned the car on and drove the hour home. And because I had never picked up a barbell before, yeah. 
And I, I saw women picking up weight that must have been 500 pounds, right? I didn't even know what <laughs> plates and were made out of rubber. I had no idea. And I think that that, that vulnerability is, is something that needs to be addressed right away when they, they walk in the door. And um, when people show up, I mean, you're coming to my course tomorrow? Yeah. So, <laughs> and nervous about it. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, <laughs> shake your legs and everything. But people are nervous, right? And, and so part of it is, for me, is to recognize that you're vulnerable. And if I word things correctly with you, I have a chance to win you over, meaning I'll relieve you of that. I'm, I recognize that you're nervous, and I'm going to address that and relieve you of those concerns. And part of it is, is that we as coaches, there's a, a brief moment where if I am condescending to someone who is nervous, if I have the slightest inflection in my tone about being negative, about yeah. you know, just anything to do with, with your nervousness, Mm -hmm. in a negative way, you will not come back. No. And those moments when you show up tomorrow, I will win you forever because I will relieve you of that. And I think that that's the very first thing that we must do. I had Annie Sakamoto as the person that introduced me to CrossFit. And I was then introduced uh, to another coach, Sherry Keener. And she was extremely understanding that I was afraid every time when I walked in the gym. And recognizing that and not mocking me yeah. allowed me to come back. It was a safe place for me. And when anything is intimidating, we have to recognize it and acknowledge it. And, and that was what makes you come back. And, you know, I've been asked, like, why are you that way? And, and you know, when I got into the sport of triathlons and I had a lot of success, I wasn't very good at it. I, I had never done anything ever athletically, ever. And I tell the story in my course, and, and the way I got into triathlons, I was watching the Ironman on TV. And it was, it was on national TV in the US, and I was watching it with my dad. And, and keep in mind, I was you know, 17 years old. I weighed 125 pounds. I was the same height now, and I have never done anything. And I said to my dad, I'd, I'd like to do that. And he's like, and he's just confirming, like, you mean the Ironman on TV, 2.4-mile swim and a 112-mile bike ride and a 26-point-to-mile. hours of suffering and pain. Are you right. And, are and you choosing I, that? I said, and, and I said, yeah, I'd like to, I would like to do that. And, and he turns and he says, and, and he, he really had a chance in that moment to ruin me forever, and he didn't. He said, let's make that happen. <laughs> and imagine that, that that, that task, and yeah. he's like, I'll support you. Yeah. And that's, that's how that's I got my start. And, and so that's, ama that's amazing how that kind of small nudge can mm -hmm. set a huge ball rolling. Because uh, yeah. um, I think this is something a lot of kids, particularly kids, that they don't get that support. They don't. I think so that I, that's why I, it, I am a firm believer that most of the athletes that I coach are recreational, and if I, so I have a running group back in Northern California, and we'll have 50 people come to the track, and imagine if you're the slowest person, and at the end of the workout, everybody, every single time is waiting for you. How long do you think that you're going to retain that person as a member? You're not. They're going to leave. So you have to do things that are based upon skill, where everybody has an equal opportunity, and, and I think that kids is the, the area where I am the most sensitive because 
I never, ever had any support until that day when my dad says, you know what, let's make that happen. And I never would be here without that. And so a lot of the workouts I do are based upon skill, and you'll see that tomorrow. Um, it's not being the biggest and the baddest and, you know, the strongest. It's, it's about allowing the body to do what it's able to do by feel, right? Yeah. And it's not based upon anything other than that. It's funny how a lot of people, when they ask how did they start CrossFit, the first workout is like they have this image and, oh, I remember my first workout and Barbara, I hated it and blah, blah, blah. But you kind of recall right away how you start with triathlon. I mean, what, what was the spark, yeah. right? So watching TV, uh, your dad just saying, okay, I, I, I'm behind you. Right. Let's go. How that, because then we saw you started business. Yeah. Yeah. So how that, that whole thing, triathlon, business uh, major, university, how it ended up going to a CrossFit coach or aerobic capacity coach? So I, my dad was a big influencer on me and, and uh, I had placed second in the Hawaiian Ironman and I was, I was going to university in California um, and getting a degree in finance and, and business. And I called him one day and I, I told him, I said, hey, you know, I'm starting to get, you know, a lot of very lucrative sponsorship deals and making prize money, and I'm, I, I'm, you know, school is really occupying a lot of my time, and, and he knew the direction of the conversation and what I was saying. <laughs> but he turns around in the middle and he says, Chris, I have no idea what you're trying to tell me. You're, you're like skipping over sections, and what my recommendation, why don't you get your thoughts together and call me tomorrow? But I need to just make sure that when you're getting your thoughts together that you know that life is about priorities. And I hang up, and I'm like, oh, he's telling me not to drop out of school, <laughs> right? And I was grateful for that, right? That he said the priority is your education. And even as successful as you are being, that day will end. Yeah. But your education will not. They can never take that away. Yeah. And that education, in his words, has been the foundation that I have built everything on. Yeah. It's, it's that knowledge, and, and that was really good advice. Uh, and I think that that's what's hard for people now is that you're lured by, you know, the, the, the fun factor, you know, the yeah. gee whiz, the excitement, and, and, and education. education. Uh, right. Yeah. yeah. So I've been able to carry that. And, you know, from my triathlon days, I did a lot of coaching. But then, no, I took a long yeah, break yeah. and got into, you know, sales and marketing and finance and... <laughs> on a very high level um, yeah. and learned a lot. Yeah. But my passion was always health and fitness. But the reason why that I, I uh, triathlons crushed me and yeah. I wasn't able to move. And so as much as I loved fitness and coaching and being around other athletes, the fact is, is that it broke my body and I wasn't able to even, you know, run. Yeah. Until but also, is, isn't that also the, that yeah, there's that uh, time parenthesis where you were just um, corporate, Chris, let's call it, in a way. Doesn't that feel also your, your inner self is saying, okay, you know what, you know what, I really like fitness. I really want to go back. And once you come back, it's just, okay, I just give away everything I have. I just, I, is it, or is more like, oh, yeah, I like it too, so I just quit one and just go for the other one. No, that wasn't. So I loved, I always loved health and fitness, and I loved my, my experience in the sport of triathlons. I loved it. But it damaged me, right? I, it would take me an hour and a half to get out of bed in the morning, right? Mm -hmm. My feet hurt so bad. I didn't want to leave the sport. I had to leave the sport because I couldn't move. Mm 
Mm. Right? I was so damaged that I was, I was, and I could make my body do anything, but it was broken from all the volume that we did. I mean, I was doing, boy, I was swimming 25,000 meters a week. I was running 50 miles a week, and I was riding 300 to 400 miles every single week for seven years. Yeah. That added up. And it wasn't that I had guilt about it. I loved it, and I was grateful. It was just the price you paid. Yeah. And during my corporate days, it wasn't even an option to get back into fitness, right? I, I tell people, you know, those moving sidewalks and airports, I would ride those down like a ride because it was easier for me than walking. And that's just how things were. And, and my motivation in CrossFit is that CrossFit restored my health, right? It, it, it allowed me to and Annie told me this in the very first meeting. You've done a lot of volume in your day, but it's the same muscle groups over and over again. If you work on your neglected muscle groups, maybe you could become functional, which is so cool, right? Functional fitness. And that was, you know, sh that, that talk was over 10 years ago. Yes. What CrossFit did and what drives me today is, and, and people understand it when they get older, your friends and your family and your health, that's it. I didn't have my health, and CrossFit gave that back. And so when CrossFit comes to me and they say, is there anything that we can do for you? We're grateful for what you're doing and sharing with them. I don't want anything, because you gave me everything. And that's what drives me. I have coached, and that was the thing, is I coached you know, from 2012 in CrossFit um, for free for three years. And I have never to this day made one penny off of any games athlete, nothing. I have never actually told a games athlete that I need you to do something for me because I am using that information to find a better way for the everyday person. The everyday person yeah. And it comes from my first experience with CrossFit and them restoring the health. Um, I, have, I have a question that goes more into like, if we really go back, because I think you really need to have like the mental strength to go. I mean, you started from yeah. from uh, watching the TV and yep. going into that, but I still, I'm I'm wondering like what what kind of background did you have that made it even possible to have the head game to to go through those kind of workouts uh, to get get to that kind of level? Because uh, that's a good question. So. It's a mental game that is. But it's also the same thing as the physical side. And so yeah. I, that, that was a fascinating part in the sport of triathlons for me, is that you are developing your physical side, and you take things gradually. And, I, and you don't realize that as you, you grow physically and you become more competent physically, that your incremental change is not noticeable, right? I remember when I was racing triathlons and I had finished the Hawaiian Ironman and I said to myself, I could do this seven days in a row. Like that's a normal thought. And I, I sit back now and it's like, it's ridiculous to do it just once. Like I know I've done it and I could wrap my head around it, but to yeah. do it one time is a miracle. Yeah. And to think that it's normal to, it to say to yourself, like I could do that. It's a ridiculous thought. But that's how you get almost brainwashed by incrementally growing. And it's the same thing with developing your mind is that as you, in that first experience, you touch that burning on fire pain, you step away from it. But the next time you hit it, you're hitting it a little bit longer. And then you're going a little bit deeper into that. And before you know it, you're doing things that, are, that you could never even comprehend.
Mm. And that's the thing is that we have to be careful if somebody's starting out to expect that they're going to want to experience that level of pain mm. because they're not ready for it. But in time, they'll naturally gravitate. And that's the thing is as coaches, we need to understand if you push too hard on the intensity side, you will lose them. Yeah. It's too overwhelming. And so for me, I always focus on building capacity first and removing the fear of intensity. I just want to build time on your feet. And yeah. sometimes that's the only focus, right, is, is volume. Like Hillary Froning, she wanted to run a half marathon. She just wanted to finish. She never ran before. Does she, do I, does anybody need to tell her that you, I need you to go out and sprint and run fast? She doesn't care. Yeah. The quality that she's interested in was volume. Just build the capacity so she can finish. And so that's where I always start is build capacity, then stack on intensity. How did you uh, end up on doing Ironmans? I mean, there's a whole lot of range of distances in triathlon. So you have yeah. the Olympics, the short distances, the fast. How you end up doing the most grueling, yeah. long, painful so stuff? So the Ironman in Hawaii, just seeing it on TV, was what attracted me there. And what's funny about it is I remember that I knew nothing about what to do and how to train for something like that. And I remember that I had to run a marathon in the Ironman. And so I entered the Oakland Marathon. And I ran a marathon as like my first run, because I didn't know. <laughs> I had no idea. Yeah. And <laughs> you learn by making a lot of mistakes. You know, there <laughs> wasn't the resources that were available. And so I didn't, uh, there weren't really a lot of options back then. The Ironman was really the, the, the only main race. Um, what's funny was is that the Ironman back then, and it's evolved just like, tri so triathlons has really evolved just like CrossFit is evolving now. Um, the athletes back in the 80s were big and because it was thought that you needed to be powerful to compete something that, that would take that long. And here I come rolling in at 125 pounds and I'm this skinny little kid and I was the anomaly. But what we realized was is that because I'm moving less mass, my efficiency for long durations was substantially better. And then you saw the sport evolve dramatically. But uh, uh, you weren't a swimmer before that. I right? was a swimmer, yeah. So, because I usually, or I, I can reflect to that somehow. Uh, for me, for example, when I got into CrossFit, for me, there was a lot of like, movements I, I knew from playing ice hockey. Yep. So for me, the kind of, I, I wasn't afraid for certain parts uh, of, of CrossFit, uh, for the weightlifting, uh, for example, but for the gymnastics, we're like, don't, don't yeah. take me there. So that was my, uh, was it the same thing with the triathlon in that sense that, you know, okay, the swim, I'm gonna survive the swim. Um, uh, At least I'm not uh, going to drown. Yeah. Well, the swim was more of, I didn't understand even the purpose because I came from a swimming background. Yeah. I thought the swim was a, just a waste of time, <laughs> right? Because it was, it was such a small fraction of the whole event. Yeah. And so you treated it really like a warm-up. Yeah, yeah. The, the, those races all come down to the run. Yeah, because th then you have already the leverage there in your mindset. You're not thinking, oh, sh I have to swim first. Yeah. Like we saw the guys now in CrossFit Games. Yeah. You have guys that are almost drowning the, these yeah. 500 meters or so, yep. and um, just to go from you know the, from the mental preparation, and you're already thinking like, okay, I get through the warm up like this, and then the hard stuff start, uh, starts. And for other guys, it's like 
the, 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 nerve, the, the nerve, toughest part. Yeah, like the nervosity is in that uh, swimming and like, oh, I'm gonna choke on, on water and I'm, yeah. uh, I mean, that would be nerve wracking. I, I, I think about that event that you have, you're all in the water yeah. and you have 1,500 athletes there and as a decent swimmer, you're right in the very front and you're about to do something that is gonna take you, let's just say, you know, nine hours and you're going to really ride the edge of you know, the envelope for that nine hour period of time. And when that clock is winding down, right, the anxiety, and I couldn't imagine not being a confident swimmer knowing that I've got hundreds of bodies around me, right? I don't even know how if you went under, you would get back through the bodies because it is a constant just yeah. jostling of yeah. people. No, it would be terrifying to be in that group, right? <laughs> But I, I, part, of, part of me was like, I never experienced that end. Um, you know, what's funny was is that my favorite moment when I look back on those days was those last final seconds before that cannon went off, that anxiety, like I wish I could have stopped time. That's why I like CrossFit is that I like the anxiety before the warm-up. Three, you know, two, the one, and I, boom. Yeah, and yeah, it is all about yourself, right, in CrossFit. Yeah. Even though you've got this community environment, the truth is is that you're working on your own fitness, and it's the same thing doing an Ironman. It is a, an individual competition. You are maximizing your own individual performances, and that anxiety that you feel before a class, I, I like that. Yeah. I, I really do. Um, you were a top-level triathlete, uh, so running all these things. Uh, you coach nowadays top-level athletes. Um, and I have one question regarding how you get uh, to, to be a top-level athlete. Uh, there's a theory, line of thought that says that there's no uh, such thing as talent. That just if you train hard enough, you could be like a top level performer, music performer, or artist, or uh, sportsman. How do you see that? Do you think that, I mean, that, that what they say basically is that the talent is be able to put the hours to get into that level. Yeah. To compete, train, 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 be able to train, to be until boredom. Like, with hours and hours and days and days, day in, day out, for years and years, until you get to that level of performance. What's your thought of that? Of that? Is, it, is it practice? Is it natural talent? Yeah, so I think it's, it's genetics, and you are born with a genetic disposition to be good in a certain area. Mm -hmm. I mean, the fact is, is that you know, when the gods came down and handed out genetic qualities in long-distance events, I got a lot of good ones. I mean, I've got, I was 3.5% body fat back then. My VO2 max was 89 milliliters per kilogram per minute, 89 to 90. Um, I'm 88% slow twitch. My lungs are 6.2 liters in size. I was given a dramatic advantage mm -hmm. in that. As If you take the opposite end of the spectrum in terms of abilities and put me into the speed, strength, and power end of the spectrum, I will never be a strong weightlifter, ever, because it's not in my genetic makeup. And so, no, I think that it really depends on your predisposition for a particular activity. And I, the grit, probably. Yeah. What's that? And the grit, probably. Absolutely. I mean, you still have to want that, right? If I didn't feel between, like I, I mean, between all the people that have this genetic, right, uh, like right pieces of genetic uh, uh, code, you have to have the grit. You have to want it. it that's, that's right. You really have to want it. And, and I think that that's where, 
you know, you look at, and, and I've been lucky enough to coach a lot of elite level athletes, and, and one of the things that I have noticed is their desire, right? There is a, a unquenchable desire on their part to do the things to become better than their competitor. That's what drives them. And, and whether that comes from hours or knowledge, um, that desire is, is, is a thirst that never gets quenched. And that's what separates them. There is a lot of people, for example, we have the CrossFit Open. It's an online competition over a five-week period of time. And you know what? A lot of people have no interest in doing that because they don't want to compete. They may have a genetic makeup that would make them elite, but they just don't have the desire. Mm -hmm. um, and then the third prong is, is, is the coach and, and the coach's ability to, to really examine the individual and find the highest value of their time. Um, but again, the coach is a, 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 in my opinion, it's a minor factor over the genetics and that, that will to want to win. Um, to uh, go from there, I, I, I thought of what did uh, this kind of, um, I mean, because it kind of shaped you from all this experience with the training and everything, the mental capacity also changed probably. Um, going into this uh, corporate world, uh, saying, and to be successful in that mm -hmm. realm also. Yep. Um, in, in my opinion, I think those things kind of go together. Absolutely. Yep. And um, now, because when I'm looking at the paper, I see, Chris, uh, what you're doing now is also the result of, like, this guy is so anal analytical with everything. Mm -hmm. Like, how can, like, a, a normal coach is usually not that analytical in that sense. Uh, I've seen, or the good coaches are. Um, but, so you really hammer down on figures to look on, like, what's the variation between, the, uh, like, the 400 meter run and your uh, one mile run? Yeah. What's the what's the difference in speed between uh, how much you're losing in speed uh, yep. when you're doing that? And I think those questions, just to ask those questions, are really like uh, for optimizing uh, what I would ask myself for optimizing business also. <laughs> right. So it's uh, true. Yeah, I think that that's the the business world. There's a lot of carryovers, and and I. I look back on what I had to do in the business world uh, in terms of numbers and management of numbers and having things logically make sense yeah. um, really helped me and gave me a huge advantage when I dove into the, the minutia, the fine detail within coaching. I, I love numbers and, and the algorithms that I write. Um, um, I, I love I love spreadsheets. I love writing out numbers, and I love looking at the relationship of numbers and results to others. Right. So, if you have a certain sprinting speed, what should your jog recovery speed be? Um, and if you have a certain running ability, how does that translate into other abilities? And what is that crossover? And what's the degradation as we move out into longer time domains? I am a huge fan of that, and that's actually the enjoyment for me. Um, and, and figuring out a way that we can take a lot of this information and apply it towards a group that, and I'm gonna say something that, that's, that got neglected, 
right? That, that everybody wants to coach the extreme athlete, right? The best endurance athlete and the strongest athlete, those fringes. Those are the Olympians. And what happens what about in the middle of the bell? Right, but what about the people in the middle that are always going to be mediocre? And that's what I find so attractive about CrossFit is that it's, it's, it's focused on that population where 50% of their muscle fibers are fast twitch and 50% of them are slow twitch and they're gonna be in the middle. And there is no information on that group, mm. right? The studies and all the things are to make the elites on the ends of the spectrum better. Yeah. But what about the average person, the 99% of the population that doesn't even wanna make the commitments that they're making? Yeah. How I, do we do it? No, the guys, I, are, the guys are, are trained just to be able to play with the kids, play with their grandchildren. Get to work, get, get out of bed, yeah, stay healthy, right? Bring the groceries home. Right. Five steps up. Yeah. <laughs> I, I think like the, uh, you don't have to be like a scientist or you don't have to be a business guru to understand or like uh, so, so I, I'm thinking of a takeaway for someone who's listening or watching this is that um, the key to actually get somewhere is to actually track where you are so by putting it down the numbers that you are um, for example sleeping uh, how much you're training every week. And don't, you don't even ha have to look into specifically maybe if you're a beginner if, uh, to, uh, to look at, okay, how many seconds did I do this or that? Right. But like, okay, how did your week look like? How many hours did you spend um, training? And what did you eat? Yeah. So can you track that? Can you track that for one week or one month or one year? Can you do that? And what happens, like we are doing these boot camps here, right? So we, we, that's the first thing people have to do when they do the boot camp. They have to track where they are today. But, so, but you're doing that because you want people to become accountable and build the knowledge, right? And yeah. that's, I think, what, what, what I am saying too, is that the weakness is you cannot just pass off your fitness or your health to a person. You must take ownership and actually learn. What the elite level athlete is doing is that they are trying to learn as much as they can so that they don't make the mistakes. Like where is that highest value? What is the why? What's the purpose in what I'm doing? And, and mm -hmm. if you don't track what you're doing, how are you going to learn what you need in the future? Yeah. When you're gonna learn what's better for you, what's your What's your biggest, where do you get your biggest uh, return? Right. right. Well, that's why, like, what, I, what appeals to me about CrossFit is that it is a, a, a fitness that is focused on that recreational individual that is the non-specialist. We are not going to give you the same thing every single day. We're not. We're not interested in that. We're interested in constantly varied. Mm. And so part of it is, is that... CrossFit and, and what they're, they're, they're identifying is that that middle population of people where they've been neglected, we are doing things that are creating levels of fitness in a much more efficient and effective way that's never been documented. Like, for example, me. To say that I can have you run two times per week and you will become stronger, show me that. Like, show me where that's out there. Because... Every single weightlifter is told, you're not going to do any slow twitch aerobic activity no, because I'm it may compromise your strength. But what we're finding out is in the masses, hmm. where there's a more balanced ratio of slow and fast twitch fibers, 
that 100% of the athletes, even Matt Frazier and Rich Froning, have gotten stronger by creating a good aerobic plan. And that's what I'm talking about is like, yes, you got to track, but use your knowledge and go, okay, why would CrossFit have value? Well, because you represent the middle of the population. You're not on the extreme, and this sport is focused on developing a level of fitness for the recreational person. Yeah. And that's why we're seeing levels of fitness that have never been recorded. Now, uh, important part, I mean, this is, okay, we need to build the, uh, normal people who come train three times a week, four times a week most, twice maybe sometimes. Where do we put all this effort? Where do we put everything? How do we program for everything they want to do, for everything that we have? We have gymnastics, we right. have cap- aerobic capacity, we have weightlifting, we have... And they always were eager to learn more. Hey, when are we going to start doing uh, pull-ups? And when are we going to get my muscle up? And when it's, it's the amount of stuff that we have to yeah. teach. Yep. It's overwhelming, no? So it, is. it takes years to get everything. Yep. So where do we, how many times a week do we put aerobic? How many times a week do we build strength? How many times? For, if we have three, three sessions a week, three right. hours a week, yep. that's the time we have. Yep. Where do we... How much we should put? 30% one day a week should be focused on aerobic capacity, twice a week. Is it is is another day just go for a run? So I, I, I find that interesting, right? So I agree. I think that most people, from what I talk to, go three times per week. But that's not to say that they don't do anything else during their week, right? And that's the encouraging part is that they want to come into the gym and do CrossFit as their preferred fitness choice, three days per week, but that they would still go out on a bike ride, they may go out on a run, they may go to yoga, they may go play golf, walk in the park, whatever. Yeah. I mean, that's what we encourage them to do. And Get out I, of the gym right, once a week. Yeah. Get outside. And so part of it is, is that we, we have to recognize that they're doing other activities and encourage that. But when they're in the gym, it's really determining, and I like that you said three times per week, because... If you only get someone three times per week, does it make sense to have them do fringe things that don't have functional value in their daily life, right? That you have to identify these movements and what is the true highest value of their time? Do they really need to go and and learn how to handstand walk? Do they need to really learn how to do a ring muscle up? Do they? Or do they need to learn how to pick something off of the ground that's heavy and put it up on a shelf, right? Do they need to be able to move for a certain amount of time, right? And identifying those things of, of what is the highest value for the clientele that are walking in the door as gym owners is key. I think that the weakness that I'm finding out with, and I've, and I've been very fortunate to visit and talk to a lot of people is, it's the knowledge with the gym owner and their clientele and how to move forward. CrossFit, what they have done is they've created a phenomenal database of knowledge, right? They have all these specialty courses to build the knowledge to be able to answer that question of what's the highest value of my members' time and how to make it logical to them so that you can get them to show up tomorrow. That's the number one. For me, everybody asked. They said, well, how do you judge your performance as a coach? If an athlete comes back to me tomorrow, I did good. And the same thing with the gym owner. Yeah, I mean. When a membership is done, if if she wants or he wants to renew for another six months or a year, yeah, I'm, something must be right. That's right. And so, and, and in my opinion, that's the compliment, yeah. right? So I never look at, 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 you know, at athletes and say, you know, can you be nice to me and say something, you know, complimentary? It's like, no, no, no. They're coming back tomorrow and we want to be with you. That's the highest compliment you can get. Yeah. 
there are two compliments, that and the other one is, hey, can I bring a friend? <laughs> the other one is like, well, yeah, yeah, of course you can bring a friend. Of course. <laughs> yeah, yeah, no, yeah I'm, I'm also thinking um, like a lot of things that we are doing in the functional fitness or CrossFit is that we, um, we're also the springboard for a lot of people to, I, I so usually never, no one ever went from doing CrossFit a couple of years and then I'm just going to go to the normal gym. Right. That never happened, right. I think. <laughs> right. But what happens is that people start to do CrossFit and they start to get functional. They start to be able to move and they can run again. They can pick heavy st uh, stuff up and, you know, start to do uh, some pull-ups and all that kind of stuff. And then it starts to, like, hey, my, my passion in life is hiking, and I can do it now. I can bring a like, big backpack, and I can hike for one week, or uh, you know, I can go rock climbing. That's right. Um, and that thing, uh, that's also something I see um, like outside of uh, like just the business of having a, a box. is also a really good gratification to see that. I got this couch potato to actually now go and do something and with move. his life, yeah, yeah, and move. And um, I think like that's why we are doing this because this is best gateway to uh, like uh, all pleasures in life. I would say to well, understand a lot of things in life. Don't you think though, like like all <coughs> pleasures, it's it's that's what CrossFit can do though, is because there's so many options within the gym yeah. that you'll find something that the person who's never done any fitness will enjoy something within that space. Yeah. And that's what I find the appeal is, is that, you know what, for me, running is really difficult. I mean, it's difficult. It, it, if you practice running, it still hurts the same. You just run fast, <laughs> right? It's still challenging, right? And so part of it is, is like, I love when I go into the gym and there's certain movements. Like, uh, my favorite movement, I love a hang power clean. <laughs> I love it. And if it's in there, it's like, this is going to be a blast, right? And that's what I see is that there's something enjoyable in the space for everybody. And you know what? Like Heidi, my better half, she never was able to jump on a box, ever. Yeah. Like the first box, she was barely jumping on a 45-pound plate when she started. And now, of course, she can jump easily on a 36-inch box. But the thing is, is for her, She's amazing upside down, right? Anything yeah. on her hands is incredible. Like, I can't come close to it. And so when she sees hand stuff, it's <laughs> like, that's a home run, yeah. right? And <laughs> so there's always, my day. right, and everybody <laughs> has that, right? And everybody, it's like, what's your favorite movement? What's your least favorite movement? Yeah. What's your least favorite movement? Oh, thrusters, that's easy. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know we how had a few of those yesterday. So. <laughs> I've never figured out quite how to make that actually fun. Yeah. yeah. No. Um, I, I I heard you on on a, I don't know which podcast this was, but you you talked about you know doing uh, doing Fran first uh, oh. for uh, that's so you yeah, like to test your. Your, uh, I always think it's interesting that people are interested in what I have to say. No, no. <laughs> that I, you listen to Because <laughs> I, I can I'm still hanging up on that you listen to my... Yeah, so, so as a... You no, but I, I was listening to your podcast. So no, <laughs> still, let's slow down. So <laughs> as, a, as a coach, I obviously, I, I try to find um, inspiration and in, in the best coaches I can uh, look up to and, yeah. and to find inspiration. And uh, you did this, uh, or you said, as an example, do a fast 
effing uh, Fran, like yep. between two or three minutes. Right. And then uh, after that, work on your uh, weakest skill. Yep. Uh, don't lay on the floor, just do it, right? Yep. To clear the fatigue yeah, to in that weak skill. Yeah, to yes. work with the, uh, with the lactic acid. Yep. And um, I think this guy who was... Uh, oh, the snatch. He was doing the snatch or something like that yep. with his uh, weakest skill. And it was brute strength, I think. Yeah, yep, yep. yeah thanks, brute. <laughs> yeah, yep. Uh, so um, I, I was thinking of that. Oh, we actually tried something... Similar, or in, at least from in my case, we, we did a double friend with running in between like sandwiches. Uh, yep, so, right. uh, and I thought, like, because running is by far the, the worst thing I can think of uh, in, a, in a workout. Like, all the other stuff is like, okay, I can, I can just, you know, scale it down and everything. But with the running, it's like, mm, I, I know. I know it's just, uh, okay, I can walk, that's the way of scaling it down, but I, I'm competitive in my sense that I, I want to be faster. I, I know I can be faster, so I'm trying to get to that threshold all the time when I'm running. But I think and I think that's why I'm, I'm I, this is gonna just, I, it hurts, it hurts. And, uh, but at the same time, this is why I'm thankful for, uh, thankful for CrossFit is because I'm actually doing this. Uh, and I'm I'm getting there, and I mean I, I've also been doing uh, like running, training uh, for uh, half marathons and stuff like that. Good. But um, I mean in Berlin you have one of the best marathons in the world. Yeah, yeah. So one of the fastest at least. Yeah. I, I, if there's one that I would do, it'd be this one here. I was this close to the podium last time. No. <laughs> God, I was like, what? <laughs> <laughs> what? <laughs> this is you coming out that. now? <laughs> <laughs> no. But I, well, I, uh, so I, I like, so Brute does I incredible stuff in, in that podcast with Mike Kazoo. So I, I program uh, their endurance work at Brute. It, it was really a, a unique concept back in 2014 when, you know, Mike came and said, we'd really like to create this unique program where specialists submit programming in to CrossFit coach, so himself and Tommy yeah. Hackenbrook, mm -hmm. and we filter it to remove any biasness, and it is from these specialists. Because I look at what I know in the endurance world, building cardiorespiratory endurance and muscular stamina, I feel like I'm knowledgeable and really knowledgeable in that space. Do I have the same knowledge in gymnastics? Absolutely not. Matter of fact, I was talking with Chad Vaughn weightlifting, and I said, how do you see like someone's movement and, and a flaw? And he says, oh, I could see the image in my head after they've done it. Yeah. And I see the same thing in running, yeah. right? I see that long after they ran by, I see the whole thing. But when I l try and do it for weightlifting, it's just black darkness, right? I don't see anything. Yeah. And that's the skill set. And, and so when Brute did that, I, yeah, really a very creative idea. And they've been very successful. And matter of fact, their team won yeah. this year. Yeah. Um, that, what I said about that Fran and, and taking a movement, and let's say yours is running. I love that you did a Fran and then ran. What we aren't doing a, a lot of is looking at the quality of our recovery and the value of what recovery can provide in our overall fitness. Yeah. Aerobic fitness, one of the major measures is how fast can you recover? Well, if you are always doing, you know, so 
Spencer Hendel. I was at Reebok and I was watching him do 100 handstand push-ups. <laughs> and he always was doing three of them and then resting. He'd shake it out, do three, and then rest. And afterwards, I asked him, I said, so what, why the three and the 10? He says, well, if I do four, I'll blow up and my time will be reduced. And if I do nine seconds, it's not enough rest for me. That he's figured out that that's how to pace it, yeah. which is incredible that he's figured out his pacing, right? But if you always do three and 10, how's your body gonna learn anything other than three and 10? Yeah. Maybe what you should do is you should look at the quality, because it's not a strength issue because he could do 100 of them, right? So what is preventing him from doing more? He's tired. Yeah. So why not work on the fatigue? If I can clear his fatigue out faster, then in theory, you should be able to put more intensity in. Clearing the fatigue and removing it will allow him to do more handstand push-ups. So then the question would be is that how do we develop an improvement in the ability to recover faster in the movement of the handstand push-up? So what, we'll just let that hang out there for a while. <laughs> what I brought up about the Fran thing was is that why waste when you do Fran and lay on the floor afterwards? You have done an amazing job by flooding your body with lactate. Mm. So why not take a movement that you're weak in and train that particular movement on how to extract that blood lactate out and use it in your slow twitch aerobic fibers? Train your body on how to extract it out. So if, let's say, your weak movement is a deadlift, then pick up a PVC and doing very slow recovery deadlifts and the muscles that are moving in the movement of the deadlift will extract that lactate out of the bloodstream and teach it how to recover faster. So why not look at it and, and, and be more efficient in what's happening in the gym? Yeah. yeah, I get it. You'll recover faster by laying on the floor, but we're not interested in that. What we're interested in doing is finding a way to create a higher level of fitness. So let's look at the recovery. Five by five back squat. How many minutes do you take of rest in between a five by five back squat? Yeah, well. Three, right? And what do you do for that three minutes? Yeah, some pull-ups. Why not, right, why not hop on a rower and row 500 meters yeah. for three minutes? Yeah. yeah, you said uh, regarding this topic, you, uh, I was reading on Reddit, you did an MAA yeah. on Reddit, and you said that one of the holes that you see in, this, in CrossFit Games level athletes is the capacity to recover, yep, the ability sure. to recover. It's, so there's three major qualities, right? We've got our volume, right, distance that we go, and then we've got our intensity, our speed, strength, power, mm -hmm. force, but then the third major prong is, is the recovery, the rest. And most people, what do they do during the recovery? How are they, how is Spencer Hendel gonna do ever, anything other than three and 10? Like how many pull-ups, I mean, how many, how many push-ups can you do? How many? And straight? Yeah, unbroken. Yeah, I think maybe 30, 40 at the okay, moment. Okay, so let's yeah. just say 40. Why yeah. can't you do 41? Is it that you're not strong enough to do a <laughs> push-up? Of course yeah. you can. Yeah. But why? Because you're tired. Yeah, everything starts but what to if, burn. Right? But what if I can remove some of that fatigue from you yeah. during it? Could you do more? Yeah, probably. Yeah. Right, it's not strength. You no. don't need to work on your bench press to do no. another push-up. No. It's the accrued fatigue in the local muscle groups, right? Yeah. But what if I can get it out faster, then you should be able to do more. Yeah. So the question would be is then how do I do that? How do I implement a training program that's focused not on volume and not on my intensity, but it's focused on my recovery? So why not do workouts 
that create that level of fatigue, and then what we'll do is the focus will be the removal of that fatigue. Yeah. So Spencer Hendel, like if you think about it, he's shaking it out. And that is going to allow him to recover faster, but it's never going to allow him to do more than three and 10. Yeah. How do we get him to do four, four or five. and five? And what we need to do is we need to clear that fatigue in a similar type of movement. So remember I said, do Fran, and if your weakness is deadlifts. Yeah. So why not take a PVC and slowly do a similar movement of a handstand push-up? Yeah. And now these muscle groups that are actually similar to the handstand push-up are removing actively the fatigue in those muscle groups. Yeah. It is more hard, it's more difficult, no doubt about it. But that's the purpose. We're training the recovery yeah. Yeah. and not the handstand push-up. Uh, uh, it actually uh, uh, starts to connect now in my brain because I, I, uh, I was looking into programming more um, high rep pull-ups, yep. for example. Yep. And uh, yeah, pull-ups is not a strength of mine. Uh, since I'm heavy and long arms, it's it's just not yep, fun. Right. But uh, I need to get better. Is my feeling because I have fun doing it. So um, how can you do it? Can you okay? You do uh, five or ten pull-ups, but yeah, then you're then you're done. You're like right. okay, I have to wait for two minutes. And so then what could it. you do in the meantime yeah. after doing those pull-ups? So I was looking into this uh, more like calisthenics um, programming of it, and what a lot of these uh, on. Um, Venice Beach guys are doing, for example, or uh, other guys, it's <laughs> a stupid example, but uh, uh, in calisthenics or in, in gymnastics is that, okay, you take away the load and you do high reps. So uh, walk, uh, work on doing like a single arm ring row with low yep. pressure, just do, you know, 40 of them. Yep. And, uh, and work, work to that fatigue and in that high rep, so it, it's not the same. I, uh, it's not exactly the same, but it's kind of uh, working to the same goal. That okay? Can I uh, learn, uh, teach the body to right. work through the uh, fatigue so in this movement? So for me, I always want. I, I I really want someone to understand like the purpose, the the why, and and apply logic. And I think that my CrossFit aerobic capacity course, what the, the undertone of the entire course is, I want you to understand, I can't write workouts. I mean, people come in and it's like, gosh, I'm really hoping that you can help me write workouts for my entire gym. And it's like, I, I don't know your clientele. I can't do that. But what I can do is give you the knowledge to be able to answer the purpose. And I think that that's the most important thing is like you just said, like, I really struggle with high volumes of pull-ups. And the question is, is that, okay, everybody's gonna struggle with the movement, so the question is, is the weakness from my strength or is it from accrued fatigue? And so, do I need to focus on my intensity or I need to focus on my recovery? And what you said on your pull-ups was very interesting to me. I mean, I love the fact that you're looking at options, but we know that the way the body works is that when you do the pull-up, all the muscles that you are doing in the pull-up are going to build up fatigue, that lactate. Mm. And that lactate eventually is going to build up in the local muscle groups and then go into the neighboring muscle groups to try and burn it off. And when it can't, it will go into the bloodstream and it's gonna go to the legs as the largest muscle group in the body. That's why working on the legs 
as a priority because it's the largest muscle group logically makes sense. Yeah. But in your case, what do you do specifically for that movement? So as a coach, I love an athlete like you because you said, I want to work on pull-ups. Yeah. Okay, so let's have you do five rounds of let's say 10 pull-ups where you built up this fatigue and now what I'm gonna do is I'm gonna put you onto a ski erg, right? Yeah. And nice slow recovery in a very similar movement to clear the fatigue out of the local muscle group. It will be harder for you than sitting around, but yeah. what we're trading on is the quality of the rest. Yeah. And that's what I'm saying is like, if you have somebody that identifies that weakness, the coach's job is now easy. Yeah. Because I know that it is not your strength, because you can clearly do them. It is your accrued fatigue. So now I just need to work on the quality of recovery. <coughs> that, that's a really good takeaway, actually, for a lot of people that start with CrossFit. Because <laughs> that's also it's the same thing, uh, sort of the same thing, uh, where people start to move again. And yep. they have to do squats, and they have terrible muscle ache. Yep. Um, and there are different uh, reasons because why you get the muscle ache. But mm -hmm. what we usually say is, you know, the best way to get a rid of it is to just move, and not to like hit a, a Fran workout every day until it disappears. Right. No, but you know, do some slow squats. Yep. Sit down, go up, just move. Get get the blood flowing. Get get that. Right. Uh, so the muscles start healing, right? So uh, uh, this is also, of course, recovery for the for the body. So it's the same same principle uh, we're we're talking about that. Right. Just a different focus, right? Yeah. And so that's where I think a coach needs to come in and say, we're doing five by five back squat today, but what we're going to do is we're focusing on the recovery in between yeah. the rounds. And instead of sitting in a chair for three minutes, I want you to hop on a rower and I want you to row 500 meters in three minutes. That is incredibly slow paced. Yeah. And yes, you'll be able to lift less weight, but what we wanna do is we wanna focus on something that's very similar to the movement yeah. of the back squat, but what we wanna do is focus on the act of recovery. Now that would never happen in the weightlifting world but we are focused on a unique element of fitness, and that is their recovery. If I can make them recover faster, then they may not need three minutes down the road. They may only need two minutes. And yeah. we may have a workout where you only get one minute. Yeah. And if you only train five by five back squat with three minutes, what if you don't get it? And what we know is it's we need to be prepared for the unknown and unknowable. So why would you always have a standard protocol in your recovery. Why would you always sit around? Why not look and do an active recovery? Um, no, it, uh, it, it's uh, kind of mind-blowing for me, for me right now. I'm thinking of all the, oh, I have to program this. this yeah, is important. Well, it opens <laughs> up like that, that third element, right, is that the focus may not be. I did, I, so I was down at Rob Forte's gym in Melbourne, and I'll tell you another thing that's really mind-blowing. I told Rob, I said, can I coach the 5 o'clock class? And he's, oh, there's going to be a big lot of people. And I said, I, you know, 25, 28 people. I'm like, I, I, I really want to do a test. And I want to find out if I program a workout and I put the emphasis on something other than the run in that workout, if they'll even recognize how far they ran. And it's all about the coach and the setup of the workout of what, you know, the purpose is. And we did, it worked up to a one rep snatch. 
And then what we did is we said, we're going to do seven rounds of seven snatches into a recovery run. I want you to run down to the end of the building, which is roughly 150 meters, slowly. There is no other rest in this workout. It's seven snatches, run down to the end of the building as slow as you want, no walking, back. But as soon as you come in, you must grab the bar and seven. If you break in the seven, you must repeat the round. You could take as long as you want in that jog recovery, but there is no other rest. If you don't immediately pick it up, you're going back out. After the class, Rob asked, he says, does anybody know, can they tell me how far you ran today? And no one knew, because the emphasis was on the snatch. <laughs> the penalty involved, and that's where I think like coaches and all of our options, if we lay it up and said, here's the focus, then the mindset is, I need to just focus in this area, and everything else yeah. is a gift. They, I had a kid say, what if it takes me five minutes? And it's like, dude, take six minutes. Yeah. And so here he's out there, he's running, it's like, wow, seven rounds times six minutes, I got him run 40 minutes and he didn't even know it, right? And so that's where it's like, we as coaches, I think like, it's the focus and making sure that people are aware. You're gonna do Fran for the sole for for purpose of getting tired. You decide what weight you need in order to finish in under three minutes. And after three minutes, you know what we're gonna do? We're gonna do your weakness. And everybody decide what your weakness is. For me, unfortunately, I'd have to do Fran and then... Fran all over, all over <laughs> with Russ. With <laughs> I, I did it. God damn it. I, I would have to pick... pull-ups. It's horrible. Yeah. It's exactly the same. Yeah. No, I would put you on a skier. Yeah. Right? Or I would lay you on the ground. And, but for me, I'd have to get a PVC and do thrusters. Yeah. Right? I mean, what a nightmare. <laughs> right. Uh, just one thing. Uh, you just talked about um, when you were talking about this, this uh, Spencer Handel um, yeah. example. You talk about pace. Yep. How do athletes learn their pace? You know, that's it's, it's all about experience. Yeah. So I hear a lot about pace. So pacing was not one. So when I started with Jason Kalipa in, in end of 2012, you know, here's a guy that won the CrossFit Games and, and in 2008, and and I asked him because I wanted him to, I wanted to understand whether or not he recognized the value of pacing. And so the first workout I had him do was a mile for time. And I said, I just need to know what your strategy is on this. Like, how are you, since you've never done a mile, which is crazy, right? Five years into the sport, never ran a mile. And I, I said, what's your strategy? And he says, you know what? I, I, my strategy is, is that I'm just going to take it out fast, and then I hope I hang on. <laughs> and as a coach, I, like, I, I've never heard of anything like that, like the silliness of that. But he was really for real. Like, that's how he gets a good score. Yeah. And it's like, that, that doesn't, and now, of course, pacing has become part of the culture in CrossFit, right? That yeah. we recognize that if you blow right through your lactate threshold and now your hands are on your knees, you have missed out an opportunity to maximize fitness, right? And so pacing is one of these things, but coaches don't tell people how to pace. Like, if you look at a workout, whatever you have like on the board here, how, how do you know what intensity to pick? Because you've never seen the combination of movements, you've never seen the loads, like yeah. how do you know? Like if your workout, like triple three, right? It's a 3,000 meter row, 300 double unders and a three mile run. If you've never done that, how do you know how to pace it? Yeah, you would have no idea. And so part of what I teach people is, is that what, time domains do you pace, right? So you have to look at the workout and estimate how long is that going to take me? 
right? And you have to put a guess on it. Mm -hmm. And the main thing is, is that we know that we don't pace everything, right? So if I asked you to run 100, would you pace it? No. no. No, you wouldn't. And so at what point do we start pacing? And so in my course, I talk about that, that if, if you look at the time domain, anything up to two minutes, you're really, you, you don't All need in. to pace, right? You have to be careful, right? You can't just sprint at the start, but you could be much more aggressive and then die, fade. Take it out fast and die. Yeah. Anything longer than three minutes, you must have a much more balanced pacing to the workout, meaning it must be consistent all the way across. Now, that's another issue. When we talk about pacing, how do you define that intensity, right? That coaches say, oh, just stay right below your sustainable pace. How do I know in that movement what that even means? Yeah, yeah. My sustainable pace in rowing is different than it is in running, which is different than it is in swimming. Yeah. How do you know? That's a different answer. So anything longer than three minutes, you must pace. Two to three, that's the tricky part. Yeah, uh, I, I mean, this comes to experience. I mean, we, what we talk about is, is to break it down. And for me, it becomes like CrossFit has become this uh, almost world of imams in my head, where I'm thinking of, OK, what's the time domain for this? Yep. Oh, it's like a night. Uh, if I would do this as an imam, I would do five every minute yep. or something like that. So I break it down in that way. And then I know at the end, when I've calculated, so it's 15 minutes at the end. OK, so I will need 20, <laughs> roughly. Yeah. That, that's, that's what's usually happening. But, um, but I like how you're assessing it, right? I think yeah. that everybody should, when the workout is explained, they need to come up with a strategy on it. Yeah. Because the mistake is, is that, and CrossFit's evolved a lot, right? When I started CrossFit, it was, it was a badge of courage that I had my hands like this in the middle of the workout, gasping. Yeah. And we recognized that you mismanaged your pace, and when you did that, your performance fluctuated, right? Yeah. And you didn't maximize it. And I think that taking ownership, like you said, of like, I have to look at this and what is my game plan for me? Yeah. And so you, you end up having your, what is going to be your strong movement during the workout? What's going to be your weakest strong movement? And then right. you kind of say, okay, I can pace here, I can slower, uh, speed up here, lower down here, rest right. here. And what time idea. domain is it, right? Exactly. And so if it's a 40 minute time domain, I'm not going to come out of the blocks. No, you know, exactly. gripping and ripping. I gotta be patient. Yeah, yeah. And so I think that that's that's the thing. I, uh, for me, in in my course, it's about finding that intensity is the challenge. That that we have a tendency to push athletes, blow right through their you know lactate threshold, and then the next thing you do is they see their hands and their knees, and they the fact is is that they blow through it so fast that there's no sensitivity and and we need to help them with that right so if i asked you guys you know have you guys ever run a mile on the track yeah hey. what's the hardest lap for you uh, on a track uh you got four laps let's say right uh, or this is uh what's the lap we, this is 16 years ago <laughs> <laughs> no, third lap. First, first one is the first one, second one is okay, third one is a pain in the ass, and last so, one is just the last one, so I don't care. Right, and so that's the thing is like part of what the body is telling you on that third lap is the reason why it's hard is because you are now going beyond mm. the sustainable pace. The reason why it's hard is because your body is now going so far out of homeostasis that you're in trouble. You are beyond sustainable pace. But because you know that you're almost done, you're willing to take that risk. That third lap is the indication that you're now punching through lactate threshold. Every single workout 
has that same sticking point. So if I had you run one lap around the track, at what point in time does that doubt creep into your head where it's like, uh-oh, like I now do have a stomach ache? And if you ran one lap around the track, it should be somewhere around 230 meters in. Mm -hmm. And that is telling you that now what's happening is, is I'm in my death zone. I'm in a non-sustainable pace, and I can't keep this up. And so part of what I tell people is, is that you must look at a workout and go, where is that going to be? So for you, you know a mile that you knew that third lap was going to be that sticking point. That was sticking point is identifying when you're going to shoot through threshold. So that you know to be careful of. In any workout, every workout has that sticking point. Yeah. And you know that's where you should punch through. Now, let's say you start the workout, and let's say you're doing 10 rounds of something, and you tell me my sticking point will be around six or seven. Mm -hmm. But what if all of a sudden you're on round three and you're now on your knees? You mismanage your yeah, pace. Yeah, of course. Right, but if you don't do it in advance, then how do you know that you mismanaged? You didn't learn anything. So you have to sit and you have to tell the athlete you must be accountable and you must sit there and go, where's your sticking point? And then I would ask you, how much is it going to hurt at that sticking point? And if you underestimate the pain at that sticking point and say, oh, it's gonna be easy 230 meters in, you know what's gonna happen? You'll fail because your brain is thinking, whoa, yeah. this is way this worse is than way I ever thought. And if you match up your intensity beforehand with your actual, you'll have a good performance. That's how you find your threshold. A lot of coaches, they sit there and they're like, oh, just find your threshold pace. And it's like, I don't even know what how that means. Yeah, exactly. But there is a way of doing it, and that's exactly how. Every workout has a sticking point, and that sticking point is real. You may create it after your third round, which means you're punching through, and now you messed up. That's what your takeaway would be. Make sense? Yeah, so it seems like tomorrow I'm gonna get a little lost. <laughs> oh gosh, it's gonna be your boy. You better brace yourself. Prepare for money, yeah. guys. I'm gonna yep. say. Yeah. So, no, um, no, I mean, the thing is, is tomorrow the workouts, and it's nice that you're coming because, you know, I'm so beyond grateful that CrossFit, you know, this course existed before them, and I love the fact that they recognized my influence in the sport and the, the value of aerobic level fitness and the contribution, right? And I love that they gave me the voice to share within the community. And it blows my mind that people actually are willing to take a day off to come and listen. And, and I respect that, you know, the fact that, that people come and, and you will learn a lot, but it's also going to be a, it will be a show for you too, right? There will be a, a, a lot of moments. I don't have a script. Um, I look at the audience and I move through my content based upon the acknowledgments on their faces and there will be moments where you're just like, wow, like, like just what I said about yeah. finding a sustainable pace. Logically, it all makes sense. I yeah. should be able to say things to you without a lot of detail and logically it's like, I get it. It's like Spencer Hendel in that story. Yeah. Logically, I get it. And that's the best part, is that you guys already know it all, you just haven't put it into that context. Um, a, bit, uh, a question related a bit to that, but with the pacing stuff, because you have uh, hours of experience in this. <laughs> and, um, and it comes back to um, earlier when, when I talked about the, the mental strength also <laughs> by pushing through and so on. But at one particular level, uh, yeah, your your body is just fatigued. You can't. Right. 
but um, still, you I, you have put thousands of hours where you've been into that state of, I, I'm just going to quit. I'm quitting that right now. Yep. I'm, I'm giving up. Um, so where where does someone actually find that? Because uh, it's, it's kind of a threshold. When it's when it's a sprint, it's a sprint, right? But for these more long distance uh, yeah. workouts where you just have to push through for a long t period. Right. I, I know with myself. <laughs> right, but I mean, that, that, that it's a very real phenomenon, but yeah. it's, it's the same thing that I tell people that, that struggle in, in just getting out of the door in the morning of, yeah. of getting the, you know, moving and finding their own fitness. If, if you look at the task of what you have to do and, and, and look at the entire pace, it's too big. And it's the same thing. If I'm suffering in the Hawaiian Ironman and I've got 13 miles to go and I know that there's my turnaround down there and it's 110 degrees and I'm running across lava fields, it's too much for me. Yeah. Oh, damn. But if I sit there and go, I just need to get to that next aid station, yeah. that's it. Yeah. Yeah. And I can wrap my head around that. And it's the same thing with the person that's sitting in a warm bed and it's cold outside and they have to today go for a run. Yeah. They're never going to sit there and go, oh, this is going to be great. Seven miles in the cold, yeah. I'm in bed. Yeah. But what you need to do is just take it one piece at a time. Climb out of bed, and you know what? If I don't feel good, I'll hop back in bed. If I do, I'm going to get my clothes on. If that feels okay, I'm going to then go outdoors. If it's some uncomfortable thing, I'll walk back in. I'll do a slow walk. I'll then do a jog. I'll mm. then do range of motion drills. And what we'll do is at every moment... If I don't feel good, I'll pull it, yeah. and I'll go back in. But if you take it in these incremental steps, you'll realize it's like, oh, okay, I feel good. Like, you'll see tomorrow. We're going to do a running workout, and I am going to put you in a position where you are going to run way, way, way too fast. Everybody will. Because what I did is I started them in these incremental steps, and before they even knew it, they're running and they feel better than they ever have felt. And because of that, they run way too fast. And you will see it in 100% of the people, every one of you. Now imagine that I tell you in advance you're gonna go way too fast, and then it happens that you are. Now I'm telling you, I need you to slow down. What a great experience, right? Yeah. That you know you can run faster, but coach is telling me that that's not the purpose of the workout, and so you have slow. to slow. That's what you must do for mindset, is you cannot take on and go, oh, it's going to take you, in order to get a grip to be able to do 10 pull-ups, it's going to take you a year to get the grip to be able to do it. Mm. No one wants to hear that, right? Mm. You must take it in incremental pieces. Yeah. Mm. No yeah. athlete can manage that. Yeah. There was one years ago I read, uh, an ultramarathonist. Yeah. He was running, I don't know how many miles, 200 miles. He was dying on his ground. He said, you know what? Pick up yourself and go to the next uh, to the next light post. Yep. Yeah. And go to the next one. Yep. And to the next one. He ran a marathon. Well, and I so in <laughs> Ironman, in Ironman, <laughs> it comes down to a step. Just one more step. One more step. One more step. And you say that a you know thousand <laughs> times. One yeah. more step. Yeah. Because eventually the fatigue gets to a point where that next aid station it's too big of a task. I can't do that. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. That that's um, that's really. Uh, the mental strength, uh, I would say, uh, 
that I'm that I'm meaning what, what I'm talking about because I I obviously also have the experience of breaking it down. I, no, I'm just going to take the next kilometer. Yeah. If I if I feel like it, I break and just breathe, uh, take some water, whatever. But I'm just going to get there. And when I get there, I usually think about the next one. Yeah. But to when you get really step by step, this is the well. Well, think about it. like so. The other thing about mindset is <coughs> how negative thought propagates. Yeah. So the thing is, is in long distance events, negative thought comes into your head frequently. Yeah. And what happens with people is, is that if you acknowledge that negative thought and accept it, now you, so when you, you're going and you never plan on having negative thought in anything, right? You're always trying to think positive. But all of a sudden, you're going down this positive path, but then a negative thought surfaces. And if you sit and accept that negative thought, now you're down this road, and then the next negative thought surfaces, and mm -hmm. if you accept that, pretty soon you're gonna have a negative experience. You've got to pay attention mm. when negative thought surfaces the very first time and get out of there. Yeah. Because if you don't, you will go down there and you will fail, you will quit. Yeah. The key is, is in every single experience, a negative thought will surface. And it could be, yeah. oh, I got a twinge. Yeah. Oh, I have a blister. I mean, yeah. I did Iron Man and all 10 of my toenails would fall off. If if I was worried about my toenails falling off, like yeah. and and like, oh my gosh, like what am I gonna do? I got blood down there. It's like, yeah. you have to learn how to acknowledge that 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 is part of what we are Experience. doing, right? And it's not a negative. It's just part of what we're doing on this positive path. Yeah. But what gets people really bogged down is they accept that negative attitude, that negative thought, and it turns into a behavior, and then they quit. So and you see that all the time. You see it in, in CrossFit, at the CrossFit Games. And the first sign of that is when they go like this. Because now, instead of catching the person up front, they're preservation of position. Yeah. That is the negative thought surfacing. Yeah, that's interesting. Uh, I, th I think I saw who won the first one run uh, Fikovsky, right? Yeah. He was like, oh, he was happy it was just a couple of hundred meters left uh, at the end. But. Um, I had uh, one question regarding, like, if you for beginners yes. uh, that wants to, uh, I mean, maybe for me, but also for other ones that are going out for uh, for running and so on. Um, what is your uh, particular um, advice to them? Because uh, I guess a lot of people they go out too hard, right? So yes. you get all these kind of running diseases going on, like runner's knee and. Right. Uh, bad feet or whatever. Uh, so, what's your um, what's your approach to to these guys? Wow, that's a that's a good question. So, I mean, there's a lot of there's a lot of ways that you can answer that. So, I think that it starts with good product, right? I think that that if you're going to run, you need to be in a running shoe. Uh, I think that Reebok did an amazing job by you know creating this Nano for CrossFit style workouts and yeah. doing things within the gym. But that shoe is not intended to be a running shoe. You need to go out. Matter of fact, this shoe that they created and gave to all the games athletes, this Harmony Road, it is a running-specific shoe for the movement of running. And the mistake people make is they think, oh, running, I can go out and do anything. And that's just not the case. Yeah. Um, so that would be number one in making sure that you're, you're using acceptable product. Um, the other thing that, that always concerns me is, is 
we can create improvement if I have you go out and just run fast, do high intensity training. And we will see dramatic gains on that, right? Yeah. Because you've never done it before. But the problem with that strategy is that it's very short-lived, right? Eventually, doing very high-intensity work in the movement of running, yes, it does create improvements. It's not sustainable, though. In order for it to be sustainable, I need to build your structure. That's the most important thing. I need to slow you down and put time on your feet. I need to build capacity without any intensity. And so part of what I would love to see in... in you know, when running is incorporated into someone's fitness program is, let's be careful on how much intensity that we give them right away. For me, I am interested in them covering longer time domains mm. than how fast they do it. Mm. Once I actually get them moving, I will then develop a range of gears. If any new athlete, when they come in the door and I tell them about different speeds or paces in the movement of running, they have no idea what I'm talking about. Why? Because they only have running speed. They have yeah. one speed, yeah. which is perfect in building capacity. Why complicate it with a bunch of other intensities? As they progress, what I do is I, in I introduce different time domain intensities, right? Yeah. So your time domain for one minute max effort is one speed. But if I said we're going to run for 60 minutes, that would be a lot slower. Yeah. I, in I introduce a second time domain intensity, speed. And now you have two in there. I then gradually continues to incorporate, incorporate more. So Matt Frazier, for example, Rich Froning, they have just in the movement of running, I work on time domains one minute, meaning how fast they would do one minute, yeah. that speed, two, three, five, 10, 20 minute, 40 minutes, 60 minute, 90 minute, and 180 minute. So it's not to say that they run 180 minutes. What they do is they practice the speed mm. if they had to run 180 minutes. So Rich Froning, his 180 minute speed is a 756 mile pace. Okay. He runs a 356 mile pace for one minute. So what I do is, is in order for him to have a comfort, meaning the way his body recruits muscle fibers, the way it sequences fibers, and the way it fatigues fibers is based upon the movement he's doing, but also the speed that he's doing. Well, what if you have a workout at the CrossFit Games that requires him to do a jog recovery run? Let's say it's muscle ups, and when you fail, you gotta do a jog recovery, clear your fatigue, and then go back up again. Mm -hmm. If he doesn't practice that particular speed, his body won't be efficient at it because it's mm. unique. Just because you train at a six minute mile doesn't mean you're good at a 10 minute mile. Okay. Every speed within that movement is unique. And so what I wanna do is develop an arsenal of gears or speeds mm. in each one of those. That's very interesting, yeah. That's where people make the mistake is like, I can't tell you the number of people that have come to me and they said, I, I, I don't know what happened in this workout doesn't make any sense to me. I am an amazing, amazing at my running. Yet when they made me jump over that hay bale, <laughs> I, I, my legs, I was so exhausted, I, my running went to a 10-minute mile. Yeah. That's not your running fault. That's because you're not good at doing the hay bale. And did yeah. you ever practice that? And if you didn't, how would you ever expect that you're going to be efficient at it? You must practice. That's the thing is just because you do running for a 10-minute time domain, max effort, that does not mean that you're a good swimmer. Yeah. How would that mean that you would practice your running and you think you're going to be good at doing a burpee over a hay bale? Totally different things. 
And if you jack yourself up in that hay bale movement, right? Let's say, because it's a new movement, mm -hmm. and you have to recruit fast twitch fibers because of inefficiencies to do it, and now you accrue all of this fatigue, now what's your running turn into? A recovery. Yeah. You have to clear the fatigue yeah. somewhere. And so part of what coaches need to understand is, where was the mode of failure? There's the weakness. Once I identify the weakness, then I fix it. Just because I am amazing at running does not mean if I do a workout that has thrusters into a run that my run will still be amazing because I just jacked myself with thrusters. Yeah. Yeah. So part is what we need to do is we need to look at where is that weakness and practice that. And just because I practice thrusters, right, doesn't mean that I will be good at a particular weight or volume or of volume a thruster, weight. right? So that's why CrossFit's so exciting as a coach because you have a million combinations. <laughs> Way <ends>. too many. <laughs> right, and so then it comes back to how do you identify the <coughs> highest value of time? Yeah, exactly. And so what I look at is you have to look at the movements. And the reason why running has a high value of time is because it's the largest muscle group in your body and it's supporting your structure. Yeah. Yeah. And if you look at the crossover, we have a lot of crossover in this type of positioning, a lot. And we know in CrossFit that we do movements and we may not do that movement for another month, but all of a sudden we go back to it and we PR. Yeah. That's because this theory of specificity within CrossFit, it doesn't hold up because the movements are so fine and few between that there's the gaps aren't big. It's not like saying swimming and running. We are doing things such as thrusters and wall balls and double unders that are very similar. Yeah. So um, um, more into the specific of the specifics of running. So when people um, like myself start to run and I'm 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 trying to get better and so on, and I I get to these points where I have. Um, like a bad knee and everything like now. For me, nowadays, it makes a lot of sense uh, when I look back and I see uh, like all these pains that I had yep. were related to my technique yep. and that my technique was also related to my range of motion, yep. um, which is also like a totally different bag to put on people like, hey, how's your hip range of motion? Yep. They're like, what? Why, why are we doing this kind of movement? I'm, I'm, I'm just running. Yeah. So, but no, but we have to look at this. And yep, you're absolutely right. And um, is this um, something people should develop over time? Or uh, do you think there's any good go to get to, uh, how do you say, uh, go, go to get to for, for that specific information that, okay, when I start running, am I running efficiently? Right. So the very first thing that I do when I look at an athlete, so a lot of people, they say, gosh, Rich Froning still has a heel strike, yeah. right? And why haven't you fixed that? You know, it's three years. Yeah. Well, the thing about it is, is that, is that heel strike for him going to lead to an injury? Is his form high risk? Every athlete, you gotta look and say, is, is, is what they're doing high risk? Is it gonna lead to a problem? Yeah. And, and if it's not, and in Rich Froning's case, it's, it's not leading to a, a, a injury, 
then I'm looking at the highest value of his time. And if I only get him two days per week and he's not high risk for getting injured. There's no sense in just working out. Right, because if I change his form, then I may introduce a lot of other problems because his natural running form is that way. So if it was an overstride, if it was jamming his knee in some way, then yes, that becomes the highest priority. But when it doesn't, then his aerobic system becomes the highest priority because I only get him two days per week. And do I want to spend six months in changing his form may introduce new problems when I, I need to fix his aerobic system and I need to do it ASAP. Mm-hmm. So part of it is, is that absolutely everybody needs to make sure that they're running safely, right? That it's not going to lead to something that's going to prevent all these aerobic adaptations to, to be eliminated because now you're sitting you know, mm-hmm. on the sidelines. Yeah. So that's how I, I look at it. Um, I agree with you. I think that mobility and range of motion is critical. I think that um, I just was at Trek Bicycles, uh, and one of the things that they did was they put me onto a uh, a fit system, and they tested my range of motion to make sure that my range of motion could incorporate the pedal stroke that they had me fit to. (laughs) And if I didn't have the range of motion, then they would have to change the saddle height. Right? Uh-huh. So if I couldn't, laying on my back, bring my leg up into a 90 degree position, I needed to maybe lower my saddle height because I couldn't do full leg extension, right? It's the same thing in running is that if you don't have range of motion yet in the run, you're forced to do yeah. a full extension, the hip opens up, there's your injury. Yeah. And so, yeah, there needs to be some basic protocols. And that's where I think that, again, CrossFit, they have have really presented an opportunity for people to go and pick up that information. That side comes from the post course. And so CrossFit has really done a good job in recognizing the key learning objectives and has made courses available. And, and it really will allow coaches to be able to do quick assessments in the movement of running. And is that issue their form or is it range of motion? And if it is not any of those things. Now let's start building aerobic capacity. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think there are a, a couple of good takeaways from from uh, quite a few <laughs> from uh, this discussion. Um, we want to be uh, respectful full of your time. So um, wow, we really went that happened fast. fast. <laughs> Amazing. Just uh, you know, when you say it's going to so be an so hour, so you're yeah, like just some quick burners maybe uh, to yeah. end this off with. Uh, quick questions. Do you have any? Uh, book you're reading. Who, who? Are you reading any book at the moment? Or last book you read? Um, boy. No. No. I, what, what's, <laughs> what's the name of the book that I just handed you? What was it? The, the, not, the, not the girl on the train, but the... Uh, <laughs> oh, my God. <laughs> so you can go back there to you it. Go. There you go. Gone no, girl. no, but the one after that. A man in full. A man in full. Oh, yeah. Okay. Okay. Is there any athlete, yeah, or athlete, it's just a name for a person, um, that you would like to coach uh, that you haven't coached? I mean, you coached so many, but is there anyone? I would like to coach, yeah, uh, Cristiano Ronaldo. That's yeah, a good that's one. A good that's who I want to coach. Know, and I already know that, yeah, so if anybody out there can hook it up. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, no, I really feel that I can make him better. He's, I think he's following the Facebook feed right now. Nice. <laughs> Cristiano, <laughs> yep, give me a buzz. 
I can definitely help make you a better athlete. Very <laughs> good. Yeah. Uh, one last um, soundtrack when you're running. The what? What the soundtrack when you run? One, you one know what? So I you don't so to music. no so I no I do so I mean I love the Killers and uh, huh. yeah I love the Killers but honestly I don't listen to anything I I um, I can make one track in one step more. One yeah step. no 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 I, well do you know that there's now like an app that will time with your cadence the rhythm of the music and it will the only BTS pick songs a... that match based upon the rhythm that you're going, yeah, yeah. and that's how uh, you keep Spotify your cadence. That, yeah, think. it's a phenomenal thing, right? It's that, <laughs> that rhythm. Like, you'll learn that tomorrow as well, is like, yeah. how do you know your pace without having a watch? Like, you're not gonna have your watch, and I'm gonna no, expect I don't, you I don't to land in the spot. Yeah, but how do you do it? Yeah. How do you know by feel, if I tell you to run 60 seconds there, and I'm gonna tell you to land in a circle this big, and I want you to do it, and I'm gonna tell everybody, my expectation is every one of you are gonna do it. And how do you do it? Yeah. And the thing is, is that rhythm, how do you feel that? And so what they've done is they've developed an ability to create rhythm, like swimmers. Swimmers breathe on a rhythm, right? Yeah. Stroke, breathe, stroke, breathe. Yeah. Runners, because you can breathe whenever you want, you don't develop this feel. Yeah, yeah I love what that technology is. Uh -huh. So no, the killers, but I don't listen to music when I run. I don't, I, um, I want, matter of fact, I had a coach that made me wear earplugs so that I could pay attention and hear my breath. <laughs> I drowned out yeah, all the outside noises and all I hear is my step and I hear my breath. And that's what you should be paying attention to. The, the, the extremes in where elite level athletes have to go to get fractional gains is incredible, right? I used to swing a pendulum over my food and I'd eat it if it went this way and I wouldn't eat it if it went that way, right? Thinking that there's value there. Um, these tricks and techniques that are out there today um, for the elites, it's like the masses, it's, but paying attention to your rhythm while running, it's key. Yeah. It's key. And that's how I know when an athlete is hurting. Like, I can watch you, and if I know you, based upon your breath, I know you're, whether or not you're in trouble or you're okay. I know it. Are you hyperventilating? And imagine that if you are a competitor and you hear someone's breathing behind you and you know. No. That is a competitive advantage. That's yeah. why the athletes that I work with, I want them to, that, that thirst of knowledge is what's gonna make them great. If they don't wanna learn how to monitor someone that they don't see, then how am I gonna help them? I want them to hear the breath behind and know whether or not they're in trouble. Yeah. Um. Yeah, I, I, I wish I could pick your brain uh, for, for a couple, <laughs> couple of days. Couple hours, but uh, I'm gonna have the opportunity tomorrow to do it a little tomorrow, bit. Tomorrow, boy, so you're gonna be exhausted. What a day for you. <laughs> <laughs> Go a little bit and tell the kids not to have a good sleep today. I'm gonna feed them, I don't know what. Uh, Chris, no. where can people find you? Um, yes. Instagram, Facebook, uh, webpage. So aerobic capacity, uh, aerobiccapacity.com. You can find the somewhere around here, we're gonna put a link. link. Yep. Oh, right here. Oh, just there, okay. Um, and then CrossFit, my specialty course, uh, CrossFit Aerobic Capacity, so um, I've got a bunch of aerobic capacity courses uh, that are booked. Um, unfortunately, the ones here in Europe are already sold out, um, but we will definitely book more. Europe is, is without a doubt a important market. This is our third trip in here this year, and, and oh. we'll definitely come back. Um, 
And then, yeah, we post on aerobic capacity on our Instagram, and Facebook is in there uh, as well. A uh, uh, short question. Uh, you also have an app, right? Uh, so there is. There's online programming. Uh, so one of the things that I've done, and you mentioned about you know my finance and math background, is that uh, there is an app. Uh, what I have done is is created uh, a multi-part algorithm that takes people's prior running results and is able to personalize workout paces in the movement of running. So it takes all the guesswork out of what volume to do, what speed to do it in, and how much recovery to take. The algorithm is based upon your prior results, and that is a pay feature mm. uh, that you can buy into and access through the site. It's, it ranges from $20 to $30 per month. And, uh, in aerobic capacity, we use website. Yes. That's, yeah, um, I mean, that sounds like <coughs> if you want to get going, and to enhance, it's a good start. You, you have you have all the knowledge that you have baked into that. So absolutely, it's and it's the same. Those workouts are all workouts that you know, and hmm. all of them are workouts that I have done um, in elite level CrossFitters. One of the things that people think is that these elite level CrossFitters are putting all sorts of volume in. They're not. I must be precise in the programming, and the way you're precise is by personalizing the pace. I tell them the pace to run to maximize adaptation, right? That pace, that workout creates a certain stimulus, and with a little bit of good rest, proper nutrition, there will be the adaptation. And so that's where we have taken the guesswork out. Hmm. And yeah, so the results, I mean, Rich Froning, one of the things that he did early on when I started is that, you know, he had a six minute mile, and that's not to say it's slow. But relative to his 400 time of 60 seconds, that was really slow, really slow. It's the relationship between your speed and your endurance is what I'm interested in. Mm. And I knew I could make him faster. And in his first 10 weeks and following this program that is online, he went from six minutes down to 541 running two days per week. And the most he ever ran was 3.8 miles. So part of it is, is it's the precision. Yeah. And that's the whole message is like, we must value people's time. And if they're going to pick the movement in running, then make sure it's the best bang for their buck. Okay. So once again, again with that, thank you very much, Chris. Thanks, guys. Yeah. Thanks, everybody. Thank you. And thanks, everyone, for listening. Yeah. Uh, next time. Yeah. <laughs> Until next time. Until next time. Hasta la vista. All right. Thanks, guys. Thanks. Bye. Chris. Thanks.